0: welcome to the work hard play hard podcast my name is rob murgatroyd and i'm a former doctor turned lifestyle entrepreneur each week i interview some of the best minds on the planet on the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment come take this journey with me excuses are over it's time to live
1: Every day these kids would come up to me and say, uncle, uncle, and they like, you know, kick the ball to me and i would kick it back to them. And it just shifted my whole perspective on what I'm focusing on. And the moment I started doing that, I started coming back into creation instead of lack. You know, the modeling industry is all, you know, you're looking at you, that you're your product. And I didn't really get that black models don't work as much as white models or ethnic models don't work as much as white models until I was in the game because I never really looked at myself like that. It really tested my coaching skills and brought me up to a level where I'm not afraid to go there with somebody because I know how to be in that space when they are in the breakdown or they're in the fire. Fire, 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 fire.
0: Okay, before we jump into this interview, I want to invite you to be considered for my 2019 Traveling Mastermind. So go to workhardplayhardmastermind.com and fill out the application and we'll jump on a call to see if you're a great Fit. This year we'll be in Boston doing lots of cool things like training with Tom Brady's trainer Alex Guerrero. In the middle of the year, we'll be heading to Monaco doing things like vintage car rides through the French Riviera. And then we're going to wrap the year in Florence, Italy, doing things like truffle hunting and hot air ballooning over Florence. Look, Life is all about fulfillment, and I really try and walk the walk. So if you are looking to be part of our tribe of 28 high-achieving entrepreneurs that are in the six- and seven-figure range, fill out your application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com to be considered. So think of the mastermind as having two parts. The first is the trip itself. And the second part is what goes on over the four days within the mastermind. Our group of 28 entrepreneurs will help you brainstorm and accelerate what you want to achieve in 2019. And we'll do that through a variety of different exercises, brainstorming activities, breakout sessions, goal setting sessions, you know the drill. So go to workhardplayhardmastermind.com, fill out an application, and we'll jump on a call to see if you're a fit. All right, let's jump into today's episode. What's up, everybody? This is Rob Murgatroyd, and welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard show. This episode features Emil Steenveld. You can find him on Instagram and elsewhere at Emil Steenveld. So Emil was an Australian model and actor. He was traveling the globe for 12 years. And once he got to L.A., the recession hit and he had to work three jobs to keep afloat working you know 15 hours a day his car got repossessed he was on the edge of leaving all of his dreams behind and that's when he decided to place all bets on himself. And he committed to full immersion of self-development by aligning himself with his values and his purpose. And I think it's really, really easy for us to get off track when we don't know the things that are driving us. And so It took us a while to get this interview uh, scheduled because of our time changes. He's in Bali and I was in, uh, I think, Spain at the time of doing this. So we were just literally, it was like early, early morning, late, late night. But we made it happen. And I think there's a lot of gems here for you. So give this episode a listen. Let me know what you think. A lot of people have been asking me about private coaching. I'm working with a select few people that are ready to make a change in their life. Uh, If you fall into that category, go to workhardplayhardcoaching.com, complete an application, and we will jump on a call. All right, let's jump into today's episode. Emil, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Rob. Well, you know, technology is amazing. I'm in Croatia, you're in Bali. It took one flip of the switch and now here we are. We've come a long way from dial-up phones, haven't we?
1: Yes, we have.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I am so excited to do this interview with you. So I really appreciate you taking the time. I think a good jumping off point would be to talk about Growing up in Australia, how do you think that having parents who escaped apartheid uh, in South Africa shaped your model of the world?
1: Well, Rob, my, you know, growing up with parents from Cape Town, South Africa, really shaped the way I looked at myself. And it's funny you ask that because I'm Australian, but it's weird. Somebody asked me this the other day. They're like, you're Australian, but you're not. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I was raised in Australia, I was born in Australia, but I wasn't accepted like an Australian. You know what I'm saying? So it was one of those things where it was kind of like I was at school and I was the kid that was like light skin, brown or tan skin. And I would get teased because of my color skin. So it it was was one of those things where like my parents brought me up in, in a culture, but I had to really learn how to really embrace me as a human being and embrace myself and really love myself because when you're so different, it's, you can either take you down or you can bring you up. Yeah. I bet when, when I think
0: about Australia, you know, I'm from America as you could probably tell. And I don't have, I've never been to Australia and I don't have a reference point for, you know, what it would be like being, you know, of South African descent growing up in Australia and how that would, you know, sort of affect how people treated you or how people viewed you, et cetera. So maybe you can kind of, you know, talk about that because my, my guess is that you were
1: either on one end of the extreme or the other, you were either white or black. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, Australia is one of those places where, you know, we had issues as well with aboriginals, right? So the same thing Americans did to the Indians, Australians, to the basically wiped off most of the Aborigines. Yeah. So as much as it's 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 still a problem that's getting fixed, it's it is one of those those places where it, you know it's a it's a place of different cultures from all over the world. Growing up in Australia, I didn't really see myself as like, of course, I got teased for you know being different color skin, and that's what kids do. You know, you can be assholes, you know, so that's what yeah. they do. But it's funny, you when I look back, I was teased for being different, and then I liked my difference. And then, but it never was as segregated as until I came to America, actually. Really? How so? Um, so, let me give you an example. I came as a model in 2007, 2008, I was in LA. And I remember going to a casting and they had on the forums like black, um, Hispanic, other. And I was like, what am I? (laughs) Right. And I didn't really get it until then. And even in the modeling industry, it really got me to really like, you know, the modeling industry is all, you know, you're looking at you, that you're your product. And I didn't really get that black models don't work as much as white models or ethnic models don't work as much as white models until i was in the game because i never really looked at myself like that growing like as i got older until i got into industries where it was like predominantly like yo we need this kind of model or we need this kind of model
0: yeah that's really interesting have you been to south africa
1: yeah i've been a few
0: times okay i was very year and a half ago hmm. um i went for christmas and it was um it was amazing i mean there was a lot of things i absolutely loved about it we did uh, cape town and uh the thing that struck me the most was how when i went into a restaurant it was either a hundred percent white or it was a hundred percent black yeah and there was a substantial and very obvious difference You know, if I went on the beach, there was a black area and there was a white area. And it was really, really the first time, you know, and I live, um, I'm moving to LA in a couple of months. I'm doing four months in Europe now, but ultimately we're going to Los Angeles. But prior to that, I lived for 25 years in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, even being in the deep south of Atlanta, I didn't see that kind of segregation. So I thought that was interesting. You mentioned uh, modeling, and yep. your modeling career was a was you know not like you know some kid who gets a you know a picture in the Sears catalog. I mean, you have you know you were a real runway you know kind of model. So you know you had success um, with modeling in high school, and in, in your twenties, you were traveling the world uh, doing fashion shows. Yeah, I mean, I could name the cities, but it would go on forever. Mm. Um, from you know from Asia to Europe. Yeah. What was it about modeling
1: that attracted you to it? First of all, Rob, I didn't think that I was good enough to be a model. And I got asked several times by different people and I kept rejecting it because I was playing out scared of rejection. And what does the universe do? It's like, here's a lesson and you're either going to take it or you're not. And after three years of me consistently saying no to it, I was like, okay, fuck it. I'm going to go for it. But it, I'm the kind of person, Rob, that if I'm going to go for it, I go full on at it. And yep. it was one of those things that it taught me so much about myself. And it taught me about acceptance. It taught me about not being, being attached to the result. It taught me about confidence. It taught me about how to open up conversation because you're going, to, you're going to a casting and there's 200 models and it's like, how are you going to be the one they remember? So... The thing that drove me was the game and the challenge of making connection, showing up, being professional and actually it, it was interesting, Rob, because it it taught me about so much about acceptance because even if I got rejected and I accepted myself, then I was growing, and i couldn 't hold on to the job that just said no to me. I had to always focus on what 's the next one so during that process it was it was a journey of. It was a real self-discovery journey, and a lot of people go, "How do you go from model, being a model to being a coach, an emotional intelligence coach and transformational speaker?" And I, I got most of my lessons from being a model.:
0: It's really interesting. Did you have the self-awareness back then that you were that you were doing that, or is it more in hindsight now looking back, you were able
1: to you know sort of like glean those lessons? Well, it was kind of a similar time. I just started getting into self-development. My mother was, has been studying psychology her whole life. So I've had these books around since I was a kid. But when I got into modeling, I just did my first like self-development course. And it was like a year after modeling, and then I did my self-development course. And then I would take books with me everywhere I go. And I was curious about human behavior. Like I was like, if I'm going to do something, I want to study everything about it. So I was like, what makes makes someone confident? And you know, it comes down to the way they communicate, the way they show up, their body language. And I would watch. I would watch the top models versus the people that were not getting the attention. Like when we go to castings, for example. And I remember walking into a casting and I was like, I don't know what this is about. And I was totally lost. And there was a bunch of people kind of making small talk, but every single person in there was like kind of nervous and they wanted that job. So in my head I was like, well, what makes me different than anybody else and I had to ask myself that from the very start
0: yeah that's real I could I could see that that's really isn't it weird how we get these lessons in life? yeah yeah so, so y- you were in LA and you decided that you wanted to become um, what my friends lovingly call a mactor, which I'm sure you've heard that word right a model actor could you describe <laughs> have, have you heard that one or is that a new I, one for you I
1: actually haven't heard of a mactor
0: you haven't heard of a actor. well there you go you were a mactor so you didn't yeah. even know that you were a yeah. yeah. you are a model actor could yeah. you describe what the process of executing on a vision like that is really like you know a lot of people have You know, stars in their eyes, and they want to go to LA, and they want to, you know, they want to start a new life, and they want to be an actor, and they want to be a model. Maybe they've had success in a high school play back in Oklahoma,
1: you know, or wherever. Mm -hmm. What's it? What's it really like? I mean, it's it's tough. It's one of the toughest industries out there because you've got fifty thousand people moving into the one area every I don't even know how many how many months. And you got to think that everybody has a dream. Now, the interesting thing about this dream is that you may be pursuing it for the wrong reason. And if you're coming to LA to make it, make famous because you don't love yourself, then you're going to be in a lot of trouble. And this is what I saw in LA. Like I saw a lot of desperate souls trying to make it in one thing and doing everything they can but you're either coming from fear or you're coming from love. And if you're constantly trying to get through and just pay the bills and you're working three jobs, which I was doing at one time, I was working three jobs because the recession hit. And you feel it in your body. You like you start to second guess. Now, before I even came to LA, Rob, I was doing really well with the modeling. I was in Hong Kong, Singapore, Australia, and I was doing great. And when I came to LA... I just bought a brand new car. I was like, yep, yeah, I'm going to be working like this. Um, LA Models just sponsored me for three years. They weren't sponsoring many, very many people because the recession just hit. And I was like, yeah, it doesn't matter about the recession. And it hit me so hard because when I got there, they weren't hiring new models or taking new risks. So I had to source other other ways to survive. And it was actually one of the toughest times I've ever been through. I'm talking to the point of... The doubts, every question I asked myself personal development wise, like what else can I do different? How can I speak to the the bookers? How can I get more work? How can I be more, you know, connect to the clients more? Nothing was working. And when nothing works, it's like, what else do you got? I, I literally started praying and I haven't prayed in like years. But I remember it was one of the toughest things I went through, but I got so many lessons from being there. You know, um,
0: it's interesting because I'm, I'm, I'm going back in my mind as you're telling that story and I'm thinking about, you know, this is where it gets tricky. And I know you do coaching for a living. So you'll, you'll have, you're going to have an amazing answer to this question, but here's the, here's the question. At what point do you give up on the dream of something that you really, really want because of X, Y, Z, right? The, uh, the economy hits, the recession hits, they're not hiring, I'm working three jobs versus saying, well, you know what? Obviously, the signs are not lining up on the road the way I want them to line up. So I need to go in a different direction. How did you deal with you know, the question of tenacity, of I'm just going to keep going until I do it versus I'm going to do something else because this isn't working?
1: Well, after, after LA, I kind of asked myself, I was like, okay, what do, what do I like about it here? And I actually decided to try New York. My, the whole dream is to go to New York. And I was like, if I get to New York, then it's the best of the best. I've done it. So when I, I noticed I wasn't working as well in LA, and, and this is the thing, Rob, every market is different. Like you could be great in LA and terrible in New York, or great in New York, or terrible in LA, and that's because the, you know the LA market is commercial. And for me, being South African, I wasn't—I wasn't your. I was considered either light-skinned black, or I was considered Hispanic. So I was kind of—I got the the name. Um, what is it? Ethnic ambiguity, very ambiguous. Ethnic ethnic and big ambiguity yeah ambig- no, amb- is it, is it ambiguity? Ambiguity? yeah well like, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, we're gonna like we're gonna, he's ambig- ambiguous but they couldn't put well, you it. Know, yeah
0: yeah well ambiguous is the word mm. but amb- oh ambiguity that's the yeah, word yeah, ambiguity yeah okay yeah. go ahead sorry go ahead it was gonna drive me crazy good yeah. we got it
1: so it, it kind of just it i wasn't i was i was feeling kind of defeated because I, was, I wasn't your commercial-looking model that could just go and do a commercial. And when I went to New York, I was like, you know what, I'm going to try New York. And when I went to New York, I started working a lot more because they like that. They don't want the, the typical black or this. That, they like edge. They like difference. And that kind of threw me back in. like Modeling in, in New York compared to LA was a totally different ballgame. And I started working again and, and getting more confident back. And you know, even after a year and a half being in New York, I was like, am I happy doing this? And I remember asking myself, I'm like, what am I doing right now? And, and I was doing a lot of yoga and a lot of self-development work. And, and a friend of mine was in India at the time. We, we just shot a campaign for Verizon. And she was like, I'm going to India. I just got booked for a big Bollywood film. Anyway, she blows up in Bollywood. And he's like, why don't you come over? And so I'm like, all right, sweet. So I just signed with Wilhelmina in New York for another three years. They're about to do my new visa. And my booker says to me, please don't go into an ashram and grow a beard and never come back. And I was like, yeah, that not be silly. <laughs> <laughs> One it's silly. Cause I can't grow a beard, unfortunately. But <laughs> two, <laughs> I went to India. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go for three months. And I was really going to India just to kind of decompress from everything and just sort of see what's out there. So I yeah. have an agency out there and I ended up booking a diamond commercial straight away as soon as I was there that paid a lot of money. And the thing about India, as soon as I landed, I was like, I'm, I feel so comfortable here. You know, the chaos, the cars, the dirtiness, I, it didn't bother me at, at all. I wasn't shocked at all because I've seen that stuff in South Africa I've seen shacks before, except in South Africa, it's ten times more dangerous. So, I just felt immediately at home. And when I went to India, it from three months being there, I was I had an agency there. And then whenever I got an agency, a job booked, what do I would do? Is I ride a motor, motorcycle, right? So. I would, if I hadn't been to a city, I would tell them, I'm like, if I haven't been to a part of India that you're you're sending me to, I'm going to take a week off and I'll travel and I'll journal and I would just reflect on what I'm doing. And India turned from three months into two years. Whoa. Yeah. I never went.
0: That's some crazy, that's some crazy shit right there. I have, there's two people I know who go to India. One is, has the reaction that you have. Oh my god, this is incredible! The other one is "Get me the fuck out of here." Yeah, (laughs)
1: that's (laughs) what most people do. You either like it or you hate it.
0: You literally, but you loved it. So you stayed there for two years. Did you just tell your friends in LA, "Hey, look, I'm not coming back. I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be doing yoga."
1: I was in New York, and I, I I didn't go back to New York. I left my stuff. I left everything. I fully let go.
0: Whoa. Okay. All right. So now you're in India. So what was, and this question I is going to be a lazy question, but what was it like in India for two years? What'd you love about it? What did you not love about it? Why'd you leave? Like, just give me a, a, some high level view.
1: I mean, India taught me how to come back to simplicity and gratitude. And I remember walking through these slums I used to walk through these slums every day to get to my gym, and every day these kids would come up to me and say, "Uncle, Uncle," and they like you know kick the ball to me and I'd kick it back to them. and it just shifted my whole perspective on what I'm focusing on. And the moment I started doing that, I started coming back into creation instead of lack. When I was in America, I was always looking, what's next? It needs to be bigger. I need this, I need that." And I wasn't in alignment with my values. And the moment I came to India, it really simplified what I'm focusing on and and brought that gratitude on a daily basis. And that shifted my whole, like I said, it shifted my whole perspective, but it changed everything. I was creating more, I was connected more, I was traveling, I was being more present. I didn't need a lot to survive. And from there, mm-hmm. then I got really connected about like, when I was traveling throughout, like I traveled through, from Lay Le- Ladakh in the, in the Himalayas did meditation with monks. I rode on bus trips, like through the mountains, thought I was going to die because it was going to look, you could look over the edge and it looks like it's 200 meter plummet. And you would see buses that have done it before. (laughs) I've gone whitewater rafting through icy rivers. I've gone, you know, I did my yoga teacher training. It just, it was such an adventure that I just got so connected to who I was and what I was creating. And that's when I, India gave me my purpose back, basically. It gave me time to think and it gave me time to really think about who I want to be because I knew modeling was only a short... It wasn't going to be forever. Why did you know it was not going to be forever? It just... I got to a point after 12 years of doing this craft um, that I wasn't fulfilled. And let me tell you this. I, I left India after 14 months and i went back to modeling in australia and i worked the most i've ever worked and i made the most money i've ever made and that was my whole goal if i made a lot of money that would mean i'm successful mm-hmm. and after working i had 4 days off that year like literally in sydney i was in sydney at the time and it just so happened to be that like all these online stores were coming in you know so i was shooting a whole lot of online stuff and i just so happened to be a perfect medium a 32 and I was doing swimwear and I could wear suits. So like it was natural it's luck. It was luck because I had all these online companies asking me to shoot. And once once one got me, they were like, We need to book you every week. And it got to the point where like, are you booked with this company? And I'm like, No, you need to ask my agent. So I literally had four days off that year, but I was like I, I was like working on a factory, a glorified factory worker. Three hundred outfits in a day. Three shots each outfit. Think of, you know, calculate that, right? It's 1200 shots. Like it becomes nigh- numb. You, your mind doesn't grow. You feel it's boring. I'm making so much money and I'm so unfulfilled. God, this is
0: such an interesting conversation. Um, there's so many different roads I want to go down with you, but I have a lot of ground to cover. So I'm going to, we're, we're going to kind of just have to go lightning high level and maybe do a part two here. But yeah, cool. I'm assuming that what's tied together in that story of you going from India to Bali, um, is meeting Joel, Joel Brown. Um, maybe you can tie that in a bit and explain how that, uh, started and how you wound up, uh, stepping into the world of, uh, events that you're doing now. And and by the way, your videos are insanely, insanely good.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, you welcome. So I, I ended up going back to Australia. Like I said, I was modeling there. I was making a lot of money. We worked a considerable amount that year and I wasn't happy. And I ended up actually going back to India for the remaining, which made up that two-year stint altogether. Yep. Yep. After India, I was kind of like, okay, cool. I've, I've explored it so much, um, but what else do I want to be doing? And I was studying life coaching as well. So I was doing my online course. It was a two-year course that I was studying. So I was doing that. I was teaching yoga and I was kind of combining that. And then I came back to Australia actually, because I had a girlfriend at the time. And we ended up, she ended up doing, we ended up doing retreat, our first retreat in Australia. We flew out Swami over from India to, partic- like, to teach it. And I kind of got my first taste of retreats. And then I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to start doing my coaching and yoga at the same time, because there's not one way of, of supporting people. Like You can go there with the mind, but it's, it's also connected to your body. So this is why yoga is so powerful. So I started off with yoga and coaching. And then I was like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this in, in Bali. So, I set off to Bali to literally run my own retreats. And I ended up getting there and meeting a woman on her retreat space. And she ran mental health retreats. And she asked me what I want the space for. And I told her, I was like, you know, I, I'm a co- at the time I was a coach specializing in relationship with the self. And I said, and I do ACT, which is acceptance and commitment therapy, mindfulness as well. And she was trained in the same thing. And she's like, well, you want a job. And I wasn't looking for a job, but I'm glad I took it because this woman now is like my business developer for all my courses. And we're super tight still to this day. And working on a mental health retreat, Rob, let me tell you, it, I didn't realize it was a mental health retreat. She just said it's a retreat, at like a wellness retreat. And then halfway through me doing the first week, I was like, how come all of these clients have such deep-seated trauma and shit going on, like depression, anxiety, and And it really tested my coaching skills and brought me up to a level where I'm not afraid to go there with somebody because I know how to be in that space when they are in the breakdown or they're in the, you know, the fire. And it just taught me so much in that 10 months working there on that mental health retreat. And from there, actually, I actually went up to Ubud. Um, to meet another friend of mine. And I was still kind of figuring out where my base is. Do I live near the beach or do I want to live in the jungle? And uh, my, one of my mutual friends was at a cafe and she was like, Oh, I need you to meet my friend Joel. And that's where I ma- actually met Joel. Um, and I met him four years ago now in Obud. And we kind of knew of each other, but never met each other. And we knew that we were mutual friends with Preston Smiles. Do you know Preston? yes i know preston smiles i was with
0: him uh six or eight weeks ago in la and he's been on this podcast before wonderful wonderful
1: human being dope dope yeah so we knew we realized we had a mutual friend which is preston and like when i lived in la i've met i knew i've known preston for 12 years now we used to model together
0: oh i didn't know preston was a model yeah that that explains that uh that fly uh, uh that those fly clothes he wears all the time yeah exactly all right. Yeah. I I am sorry, continue. Joel was uh Joel was uh Joel was there, right? Yeah. In Ubud? So,
1: yeah, so we met, but we didn't really like we was just like, hey, what's up? Cool, nice to meet you. And then we kind of kept on doing our thing. And then it was actually Preston that brought us together because Preston and Alexi Panos, they flew us out to speak at their leadership event and they flew both of the both of us out. And we connected then because we were there for like three days. So we really got to know each other then and then After that event, you know, Joel and I, we we realized we have very different strengths. You know, Joel's great with mindset, but also marketing. And I'm, I'm, I go deeper in the emotional stuff and the deeper, you know, trauma and the patterns and behavior. So I wasn't strong in that marketing top. And Joel hit me up one day and he's like, Hey, I really like the way you coach and speak. And I think we could, there's some synergies here. And he's like, do you want to run a, a course together? And I said, yeah, cool. What do you have in mind? And he said, well, I just did a poll with my Addicted to success crew and number one thing people are seeking right now is like how to be more confident. And I was like, that's crazy because I'm just reading a book on confidence now with uh, acceptance and commitment therapy. So we ran that course for about 30 people and and it went off and you know people got great results and we're like, okay, what's next? And it literally just organically grew from there. I was like, what about retreats? And Rob, it was interesting because Joel's never ran retreats before. So he was like, Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a lot of work and this and that. And I said, Trust me, let's just try one. So we tried one retreat and he was like, This is dope. Loved it. Yeah. And I've run retreats for, you know, before that, like I said, I've been on retreats for the past year. So I know how they work and how to run them. I know the energy of how you got to bring it up and down. And then I was like, we, We're both visual. People and creators, which can be dangerous too, because we can just yeah, fly up the handle, <laughs> we are like, let's do this, let's do this." and we need someone to kind of bring us down and go, "Hey, let's get some structure first. Are you near the beach or yeah. jungle in no, Bali? We're, we're near the beach, so we're about, You're near the beach. Yeah, I'm about five minutes from the beach. My backyard literally faces off to rice fields. How do that sounds incredible. How do you like living in Bali? Oh, it's amazing. My lifestyle literally is amazing. Somebody asked me the other day, what's your ideal day? And I'm like, I'm doing it. I wake up, six o'clock. All right, let me give you let me tell you my routine right now. Cause I'm yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm into hacking habits right now. I'm really going down to the deepest, what are my habits and what are my good habits, and my bad habits? Because your habits is what makes you genetically it's so your whole genetic makeup. And if you can okay. really get clear about your habits, you can make your life so much easier with less effort. So I got this routine now where I get up 6am, my first hour, literally I put self-development on and then I drink a glass of this alkaline powder it's got all these different green powders in there. So then I wait about 15 minutes and I'm literally listening to self-development and I've got a little bungalow and I'm just looking out to the rice fields. And then, um, I wait about 15 minutes and then I have organic chicken bone broth. And I know it sounds weird, but it's 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 a game changer because it's 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 all about your gut health. And for that first hour, I'm already drinking what at least a liter of water fluids. And then I go straight to the gym and I'm in the gym by seven, finish at eight, and then I'm back home working. I work from eight till about 4 30 and then i take my pup my dog and a puppy here from a uh, bali dog and i take it to the beach and go for sunset and it's it's just this is how i live i mean it sounds like uh it sounds like an absolute
0: dream come true which um which part of bali are you in what's the uh, i know you mentioned U- U- ubud but yeah. where are you exactly i'm in Ch- uh Braua, which is in Canggu. Chengu. Okay, perfect. Yep. Yep. Well, listen, um, if people want to learn, um, before we go into the last part of our show, which is our rapid fire round, if people want to um, be a part of the events that you're doing in Bali, yep. um, where do they go? And maybe you can kind of describe what the events are like.
1: Yep. So, one, they can check out the website, which is www.elevatetribe.net forward slash Bali events. Okay, um, they can also find me, which is um, at Emil Steambelt on Instagram or my Facebook, which is Emil Steambelt. So everyone that comes to our events that rub has to go through application. We interview every single person that comes through the door. okay, and what's the events like? so our events is it's not inspirational it's not hey, come and get you pumped up, and then you leave all inspired and in two weeks you fall back into your old shit patterns. It's, yep. it's giving you practical tools. So it's more transformational. So we do a lot of experiential activities. We, do, we get you out of your seat. You have to participate. And when you're participating, actions can't lie. So you, we see exactly how you show up. I also do a lot of live interventions. So I coach on stage. And I ask everybody that comes to this course in our interview process, I'm like, are you ready to step on stage and be seen? you know and that's part of jumping out of your comfort zone. We want this program to really shift you and it can't be done in a comfortable way, but we make it fun at the same time. So we have welcome drinks on the first night, then the first day, you know, after that heavy day of like self-discovery you go into, we do yoga at the end of the day to bring them down again. And then we also have a uh, boot camp on the second day to bring in the feminine masculine energy. It's about mixing it up, right? And it's kind of like an emotional roller coaster. But we give them practical tools and we set them up so that when they leave, they're like, okay, I'm really going to learn how to practice this now and step out in a way where, you know, this is not a quick fix. And I tell them that this is not a quick fix.
0: Amazing. So most of the people who come to the events, are they from the States
1: or all over the world at this point? Um, there are people from all over. You know, We got people from America, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, but Europe. They're entrepreneurs. But most of all, it, it, as long as you're willing to be vulnerable and let go and play all out, it's like you're going to be a fit. Um, we got people that are like high in business. And then we've got people that are in nine to fives that are like, you know what, I'm not happy in my career. I need something new, but I don't have the courage or I don't have the tribe or the support. So, we get all different types, and we get coaches as well. We get people that are uh, that are already coaching that are like, "I need to learn more and these kinds of events it 's about the tribe it 's about connection and it 's a lonely game sometimes out there when you're you 're trying to figure it out yourself or you're you know you 're an entrepreneur and you 're like you feel you know you don 't have the support network. so with the tribe what what we 've noticed is people are still in touch even now and are actually still having conversations and are meeting up and sending us pictures like it's hilarious. It's, it's actually amazing to watch and to see these people like literally making real change and continuing to make real change for themselves and their lives. I love it. All
0: right. We're going to go into the last part of the show, which is our rapid fire round. It's basically a first thing that comes to mind rounds. What would your friends say is one of your superpowers? My ability to connect and go deep and see you or basically see you. What's the one thing that you want to get better at? Uh, speaking on camera. What is your guilty pleasure?
1: Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> What's my guilty pleasure? Yeah, um, you gotta have one. Yeah, I'm trying to think which
0: one. I'm like, I'm oh, like- that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have one.
1: Which one? I would say, gnocchi pasta. <laughs> that's my guilty pleasure. Oh,
0: gnocchi. You know, it's funny. I grew up in New York and that sounded like nookie, which is sex. I was like,
1: okay. (laughs) I always that way.
0: (laughs) I'm glad glad you said pasta because I'd be like, this guy's got a sex problem. Okay, perfect. I absolutely love it. Okay, last question is what one question Hmm. would you like to ask me?
1: What inspired you to want to put yourself out there like this and impact people?
0: Um, you know, I spent, I'll be 53 years old next month and I spent the better part of my life chasing a dollar sign. And now I'm at a place in my life where I'm much more, um, fulfilled and happy and doing things like, uh, like what I'm currently doing, which is, uh, traveling around Europe for four months, uh, with me and my wife and, uh, my four-year-old daughter. Yeah. And, um, I think that there are, A lot of people who are, you know, midway through what I went through over the last 20 or 25 years, building a business, et cetera, that, uh, are dying a slow death and they want to, they want to realize or they, you know, there's some part of their higher self that's, uh, you know, that's talking to them and saying, Hey, look, you know, there's a whole lot more life than waking up every day and getting in your car and driving to work. There's, there is your, it's mind, body and soul. And I want to be able to, Share that with people. And I also recognize that entrepreneurs are, you know, they're entrepreneurs and they like to work. So, yeah. you know, there's nothing wrong with working, but putting the balance of work and play into your life is just going to make your life happier. And if nothing else, you're going to make more money because you're more well rounded and
1: more centered. And I just felt like I had something to say about it. That's amazing yeah and it's, and, well, and, it's, and it's and it's so good to hear you're you're literally practicing what you uh what you value. oh yeah, yeah, I am,
0: I am well, listen, this has been absolutely fantastic when i uh, when I make my way uh out to Bali, which will be coming soon, I'm sure um i will uh, I'll definitely look you guys up yeah, and uh, when I see yeah, man and when I see Preston in uh, in l a. Um, I will uh, give him a big hug for you. Yeah, please do. Thanks a lot, brother. All right, buddy. Say hi to Joel for me. All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game